You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Android encryption issues are under study. Experts consider the implications of D-Link vulnerabilities for IoT security. The Wendy's pay card breach has gotten much bigger. Familiar exploits circulate in the wild and Mac backdoors make a comeback. Cryptex is joined by a new ransomware variant, CryptoBit, and DeadCryptor continues to play the Grinch. Avast's purchase of AVG encourages the markets. The EU adopts new data regulations aimed at improving resilience. The FBI explains what it found in its investigations of Hillary Clinton's emails, and defense attorneys find new lines of defense. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary and weekend review for Friday, June 8, 2016. Another encryption issue surfaces in the Android ecosystem. Orange Labs reports that Android's key store default implementation could be susceptible to forgery attacks. It's a proof of concept, not an attack in the wild, but the news is nonetheless unwelcome. Orange Labs says key stores hash then encrypt authenticated encryption scheme in cipher blockchaining mode doesn't guarantee the key's integrity. The researchers admit that criminal exploitation wouldn't be easy. It would, for one thing, require that the victim install a malicious application that needed key store read-write permission. They disclosed their findings to Google in January. This report joins concerns expressed earlier this week about Android's Keymaster module, whose Qualcomm environment was found vulnerable to reverse engineering. Qualcomm says that it fixed the vulnerabilities in 2014 and so informed Google. If there's still a problem here, one infers it's not Qualcomm's. Some follow-up to the D-Link device vulnerability. It affects not only routers, but web-connected cameras and other consumer IoT devices as well. Michael Patterson, founder of Plixer, points out that the risk here is widespread and may prove difficult to contain. Taking smart TVs as an example of the issues that arise with the connected home, he said, quote, I fear that some manufacturers may not be patching the OS of old TVs, as most don't require any type of subscription for updates, end quote. Thus, consumer electronics may be making another contribution to the botnet world. Wendy's, the U.S. fast food restaurant chain, has determined that the payment card data breach it sustained when criminals gained access to its network late last fall was more extensive than previously believed. More than a thousand restaurants were affected, and Wendy's thinks the attackers gained access to the company's network through some third party or parties. Service providers' remote access credentials, the company said, appear to have been compromised. 
Some observers think the chain needs to consider a radical response, decommission and replace its current infrastructure. Brad Boosie, director of product manager at StealthBits, told us that, quote, the most logical thing to do in this instance is to invest in protecting your brand and deploy new servers to all Wendy's locations. The damage the malware has caused and will continue to cause can't be assigned a simple monetary value. The reputation of Wendy's is at stake, and the quickest and most controlled way to eradicate the hack is to decommission the current store's infrastructure, end quote. He thinks Wendy's might do well to be guided by an analogy with farming, quote, when the breadth and depth of an infestation is unknown, it makes the most sense to burn your fields, till the earth, and start over, end quote. We often hear about the contribution data analytics can make to security and how big data analytics in particular can offer insight into defense. Malik Ben Salem from our partners at Accenture Labs talked us through big data and big data analytics. We'll hear from her after the break. Elsewhere in cyberspace, the Kovtur click fraud malware is posing as a Firefox update. Users of the Firefox browser should exercise caution. Banks in Japan are sustaining a wave of Beblo Trojan infestations, and the venerable Net Traveler spy tool, which researchers have been tracking since 2012, has returned to targets in Eastern Europe. Mac backdoors are also making a comeback. ESET has found another, Keydnap, which is hunting passwords in Mac keychains. The advantage in ransomware seems, for the moment, to be shifting back toward the criminals. Sukuri has observed a new variant, CryptoBit, being distributed in a campaign called Real Statistics. Real Statistics, which is also pushing the more familiar Cryptex, is using the Neutrino exploit kit and exploiting compromised websites based on the Joomla or WordPress content management systems. Cryptex itself has grown harder to track. It's being distributed in more effectively obfuscated forms, as, for example, in pseudo-darkleach. It now directs victims to a new .onion site for payment, payment still accepted in Bitcoin, of course, but it's now removed the customer service support it once provided its victims in order to make it easier for them to cough up their ransom. Dead Cryptor, the ransomware that struts its stuff as an evil Santa Claus, or more properly, as our editor pedantically insists, an evil Dead Moros, is spreading out a bit from its Russian heartland and infecting more English-speaking users, and removes the opportunity to contact customer service. Dead Cryptor is still asking for two Bitcoin, about $1,300, if you want to be taken off the naughty list. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their SASE journey, visit netskope.com. And joining me once again is Malek Ben Salem. She's the R&D manager for security at Accenture Technology Labs. Uh, Malek, I know one thing you wanted to share with us today is your take on how big data can help with analytics. Absolutely. Uh, I think big data technology uh, is enabling uh, new security analytics use cases and applications. Uh, You know, companies today uh, struggle with Uh, their security analytics, uh, if they're only collecting data or acting upon data, such as security alerts and events collected by their uh, SIM tools, the security uh, information event management tools, or uh, by looking at their uh, logs from their firewall servers. Those are just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the things that they are, the types of data that they can analyze. The reason why they cannot analyze more data is prior to this is because they, we didn't have these big data repositories. But today with technologies like big data frameworks, Hadoop-based frameworks, where storage is no longer a problem, we can collect a lot more and act upon a lot more data. For example, we're no longer limited to web application firewall data. Uh, you can look at your user web browsing behaviors. You can gather data about malware from the internet. Um, you can gather data like, you know, what are the blacklists and watch lists and link that to malware that you see um, to understand what's going on within your network. You can use business process data to understand how your applications are doing uh, and identify if they're going undergoing an attack. Uh, you can um, leverage uh, social media activity, uh, email data to understand or to analyze your employees' behavior and identify if there are any uh, insider threats within your company. So a new range of, of use cases, a new range of applications are enabled by the ability of being able to link structured and unstructured data through these uh, big data frameworks, big data repositories, and uh, big data uh, processing capabilities. Malek Ben Salem, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
In industry news, a vast move to buy competing and complementary security company AVG for $1.3 billion has had a generally positive effect on the markets. The acquisition seems both a bid for a geographically wider market and an IoT security play. Cybersecurity exchange-traded funds enjoyed a nice bounce on the news. The acquisition is also regarded as an auspicious sign for prospective sellers, notably Intel, which is interested in finding a buyer for its security unit, and for companies like FireEye that are perennial subjects of acquisition speculation. We wanted a take on the current state of the early-stage startup ecosystem, and so we spoke with Bob Stratton of the Mach 37 Cyber Accelerator to gain some perspective. Our focus is restricted to things that are specifically oriented around cybersecurity products. We started in uh, September 2013 and um, since then have helped launch uh, 35 security product startup companies. Mach 37 is located in Northern Virginia and Stratton says from the outset being in the Mid-Atlantic was a deliberate choice. What was then an intuition and which I now actually can prove is that we had perhaps the highest density of uh, security expertise in any region in the world uh, in the mid-Atlantic area. And more recently that's been borne out because I know there was at least one analysis done across um, all the security people that could be found on LinkedIn. And uh, about half were found to be in the U.S. and the the single biggest uh, concentration of security expertise in that group was in the Washington, Baltimore area at around 6%, whereas the closest runners up were New York and Silicon Valley, and they were both in the 2 2% range. So what was an intuition for us has been borne out, which is that we're in an area that has the people who understand the threat and understand um, the problem. However, the economy in this region tends to be very service-oriented. And one of the things that we've often wondered about is, you know, why don't we see more product companies out of the mid-Atlantic region, uh, given that we have all this talent here that understands this stuff? And the answers to that come down to a couple of things. Uh, access to capital, investment capital, is certainly one big factor. And another is that a lot of the people that start these kinds of companies tend to be technical founders. They tend to have come from the technical track initially and may not, if you're talking about a first-time CEO, for example, they may not have been through some of the, uh, the more management, traditional business history that you know startups in other uh, sectors those founders might might have come from so we realized that in order to address kind of all of those things you needed to do a couple of things one is you needed to create an ecosystem that would foster access to capital and customers frankly but also we decided that a a curriculum was in order so unlike a lot of other accelerators where the program may consist of office hours with mentors and a dinner once a week, we actually built a 14-week program that is oriented to what my partner, our managing partner, Rick Gordon, calls the cumulatively exhaustive set of things a startup CEO needs to know. Mach 37 typically engages with startups early in the business life cycle. We are usually the first money into a company, first outside investor into a company. Um, We can and have taken a range of companies that span from uh, a good idea on on the proverbial cocktail napkin to 
companies that have come to us having built a product and having uh, got customers and revenue. And we can you know, tailor the program to the extent we need to, depending on that. But in general, they have not even raised a formal seed round yet uh, in many cases. So uh, what happens a lot of the time is that right when they come out, that's the point where we're helping them do fundraising for uh, a, a more formal structured seed round before they even think about going to a Series A. Stratton says Mach 37 focuses on product-based startups for a number of reasons. There's the obvious one, of course, that product companies often provide the best return on investment. But equally important, according to Stratton, is the issue of scalability. The reality is you have a lot of very talented people working on the service side of this, and none of us scale. This problem is huge, right? We, we continually hear about we can't hire enough people, we have all these rules that need to be filled, we can't get enough analysts. At the end of the day, if you're in a position, if you have some expertise that you can encapsulate into some mechanism that's reproducible, you may have the opportunity in some small way to be in more places than one at once and do more work than eight hours a day if you can embody that expertise into a product. And so if you even just look at it from the cybersecurity problem writ large, and ask yourself the question, how can I achieve the maximal impact on this problem? There's an argument to be made that we need better products that solve more problems more effectively than we do now. Bob Stratton also shared some advice based on his experience working with so many startups. I've seen more worthwhile security product startups hurt out of an unwillingness to talk about what they're doing than I have ever seen hurt because somebody took their idea. Ideas are a dime a dozen, and they may be brilliant, but execution at the end of the day is really what matters. And so because of our nature as security people, we tend to be uh, you know, very private and very concerned about telling you what we're doing and, and maybe even, dare I say it, a little bit paranoid. Uh, I've seen far more people hurt themselves by being cagey and not engaging with people who might be able to help them than I have ever seen hurt because somebody stole their idea. That's Bob Stratton from the Mach 37 Cybersecurity Accelerator. The name Mach 37, by the way, comes from the speed at which an object must be going to reach escape velocity from Earth. So yeah, pretty cool. In policy news, as companies continue to mull the possible effects of Brexit, the European Union has moved to adopt new cybersecurity rules. Red Seal CEO Ray Rothrock had this to say about the EU's regulations. Quote, the EU's new cybersecurity rules are an important step forward. Fundamentally, they recognize that perimeter defenses, while necessary, are not sufficient to stop and, more importantly, recover from a successful cyber attack or disruption. Networks supporting critical services, such as banking, power distribution, drinking water, and health care, must be resilient. A new focus on resilience will help enterprises manage what goes on inside the firewalls on their networks and continue to deliver services critical in a civil society. End quote. And finally, the big story this week in the U.S. involved the FBI's decision not to recommend indictment of former Secretary of State Clinton for mishandling classified information. FBI Director Comey testified before the House Oversight Committee yesterday. In essence, he said that while the former secretary was extremely careless, there was insufficient evidence of criminal intent to sustain a prosecution. 
There are some gestures in Congress to deprive the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee of access to classified information, but there's also movement toward other investigations. The State Department is reopening its own inquiry, and the House Oversight Committee strongly hinted it would be asking the FBI to open a perjury investigation. And defendants in other cases involving the handling of classified information are already invoking these standards implied in the email investigation as they move for dismissal or acquittal. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.